Yeah, so thank you for praying for us in, in Kenya. Um, we did, Jeanette's dad hosted us twice for dinner while we were there, very graciously, very, uh, it was a wonderful time. We got to know her family and got to fall in love with her family a little bit. I got to spend time with her brother. He's a great guy. Um, I hope we can continue to, to stay in contact. And, and it's just really a neat time to get to know some of Jeanette's family there. And, and then the, the group that's gathering is so cool. It's a called out assembly. It's, it's neat. What I would like to do, I, I, so yeah, let's hand out those handouts. Now you'll notice the date is wrong on that. And I left it like that on purpose because I just want to share with you what I shared with that group on the first Sunday morning that we met, okay? So I'm just gonna basically give an abbreviated version of the same message that I covered on that day. So thank you for the stakes, by the way. Now we have some refrigerator magnets for you that say Kenya on it. Or it says Kenya or Africa, but this is to remind you to pray for, for the work that's going on there. So you're probably praying for Wagi and his work in Egypt and South Sudan anyway, but this will just be a reminder, pray for our work in Africa. So yeah, if you could hand those out. Yeah. No, I'm good. Um, the only thing I'm not sure about is is Dave and Shauna like your kids up there rapping and that's just not very Baptist I I don't know you know I'm, I'm just wondering are you guys doing okay like uh... <laughs> no that's that's good you forget yeah so it's a bit of a surprise he doesn't look like a rapper yeah for the okay uh, uh, all right so christine and i while we were in kenya we did a safari so we didn't like shoot anything with guns safari you just go and you ride around in the back of a land rover or a land cruiser and you see all these different animals. And so it was amazing. We saw lions and leopards and cheetahs and, and, and hippos and crocodiles and elephants and giraffes and all the herd animals. We saw all those things. The one thing that we didn't see was the rhino. rhino. Okay, the black rhino is endangered and you know, we, we didn't get to see any of them. I know the rangers, they protect the rhinos because they're endangered. There's not very many left. They're rare. And so they, they appreciate them greatly. They protect them. In fact, there's programs to try to help them reproduce so that the world won't run out of rhinos. So the rhinos are an endangered species within the animal kingdom. So they deserve the special protection, promotion, and, and all of that. What the, the message that I preach there, and I want to preach for us today, is that there is an endangered species within the spiritual kingdom. 
And that endangered species is the biblical New Testament local church. So that's what I covered then. And I want to cover it now because what I was essentially doing in Kenya was introducing to this group a biblical philosophy of ministry based on a biblical view of the local church and the mission that we've been given. Now, it fits in nicely to our 15th birthday anniversary. By the way, it's Mike Kennicutt's birthday, right? Happy birthday, Mike. Okay, I'll spare you the singing, but happy birthday, bro. Um, but, but all we've done over the last 17 years as a group and 15 years as an official local autonomous local church is simply applied this biblical philosophy of ministry. And so I just want to present to you what I presented to them. And then you can also feel like you were there with us maybe. Okay. So we were on the seventh floor of an office building in a conference room, not quite this big, arranged at desks, sitting and chairs around a desk, just, just kind of exactly like this, like in a U shape. The PowerPoint was jankety and it was all like covering the whole wall. So I'm like blocking half the, like it wasn't quite as established maybe as we have here, believe it or not. But this is what I presented. I presented first of all, that the church is a group of people, okay? Now, you've heard this a thousand times. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. But culturally, just like in the U.S., in Kenya, the church is treated as a religious duty or as a building or as a service, as if Sam is going to stand up with a robe on with a collar that looks ridiculous that no one would ever really wear. Like, like with a pointed hat and he's going to like chant in Latin and everybody's going to be hushed and reverent underneath a stained glass window. You know what I'm talking about? The like, like what God really set up was some religious clergy holding a service that people are morally obligated to come to instead of doing what you'd really rather do on Saturday or Sunday morning. That's what culturally, somehow man has turned what God started into something that is not actually biblical. The church is not a building. It is not a service. It is not a religious duty. The church is a group of people. Could you imagine forming a group of people and then and then that group of people like like your God and somehow you can do a miraculous work and, and and create the group of people which is the church and then they redefine it and turn it into some sort of religious duty like that would just be that's just crazy what a slap in the face to God so instead of focusing on what we have which is each other relationships with God and relationships with each other as a group of people, the focus becomes on, on attending a service or not. Like the love, the joy, and the peace that we have through the spirit of God as the people of God. You guys, the world doesn't have that. 
And the church allows the world to define what the church is and what the folk, like we lose the fellowship. Tell you what, I, I mean, it's not wise to compare ourselves amongst ourselves, but we have the best fellowship. <laughs> like, don't tell Mitch, but we have the best fellowship. Like, we have relationships that, that are just like based on the fellowship that we have in Christ. How cool is that? I mean, okay. The church is a group of people. It's not a building. It's not a service. You guys know that, right? The church is very precious. The church is very precious because it was purchased. Something is, is precious if it costs you a lot or if it costs someone else a lot. Okay? Acts 20, verse 28 says to leaders in the church, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Hey, leaders, listen, you pay attention to how you're leading. Pay attention to the people that you're leading. Why? To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What's more valuable? than the blood of Christ. It's the person sitting across from you right now. I can prove it. He traded his blood for your soul. He purchased us with his blood. Oh my goodness, be careful how you treat that person sitting across the table from you. In God's eyes, they are more precious and even the blood of his son. You guys, what we have as the purchased possession, what we have together, if we could only see with spiritual eyes, we could put our spiritual lens on and see the value of a human soul and the value of a soul that's been redeemed back unto God. And then we all gather together. What we have is absolutely precious. And that's why I say it's a slap in the face to turn the church into some pastor holding a service and some people attending it. And then if we could do that really well, we're successful. Like, like that's, not, that's not valuable. A pastor holding services and people attending services. That's not, Jesus didn't trade his blood for that. He traded his blood for, now we do hold services and we do attend them. I'm not saying skip church. I'm saying don't define church as a service or a building or religious duty, make sure we understand what the church is. Okay, number three, the church has a purpose. You guys know that. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll start in 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are what? Become new. And all things are of God, now for that new creature. Verse 18, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we were reconciled to God by Christ. And then God's like, yay, you guys are now part of the program. 
and I'm giving the ministry of reconciling the lost back into God through Christ to you. Here's your badge. Here's your keys. Here's your, like, it's time for you to go be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. Now, we talk about it in terms of making disciples. We talk about the Great Commission. Sam talked about that this morning. All power in heaven and earth is given unto Christ. We are to go, therefore, teach all nations. That's evangelism. Baptize them. Bring them into the fellowship of the church. Get the commitment, okay? Teaching them whatsoever things I've commanded you. That's discipleship. Why? So that we can equip them so they can do what? So they can go and teach nations and baptize. That's the cycle. We, we call all of that, summarize it, making disciples. So the church is a group of people. It's precious and it has a purpose. So here's, here's what I presented in Kenya, in Nairobi, and it's exactly true here also. You guys, there's a, it seems like there's a church on every other corner. Churches are not endangered species. But we met with people who had been attending service literally their entire lives and have never seen someone go. And nobody's evangelizing. They hadn't heard the gospel. And nobody's baptizing. And nobody's making disciples. How can there be a church on every corner and nobody's going and nobody's baptizing and nobody's discipling? You guys know what I'm talking about because that's half of our story. I've been in church my whole life. Nobody told me the gospel. Nobody baptized me. No one discipled me. What is wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. People have redefined the church culturally, and they're not defining the church biblically. The New Testament, it's not the church that's endangered. It's the biblical New Testament local church that's endangered. And it's the same thing in Nairobi as it is in Kansas City. Okay. The church possesses the word of God, which is our authority. So we were given the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5.18. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, we are to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. It's not our job to, to just get preachy and condemn everyone for everything all the time. What is our job? It is, it is to reconcile them back unto God. And, and God has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's our Bible. So we're given the work to do, and then we're given the word in order to do it. You guys, you guys know this, right? So in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, in fact, it's, it's kind of the whole chapter in 2 Peter chapter 1. What we, we know that Jesus Christ was the living word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. What did the word do? He put on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And when Jesus was on the planet, he spoke as God. You want to know what God says? Well, just ask Jesus. But then Jesus, after his death and burial and resurrection, he ascended and he gave apostolic authority 
to the apostles to preach supernaturally. So they could tell you what God said. In fact, they could speak in other languages. They could prophesy. The apostles had the ability to speak authoritatively for God. And what you read about in 2 Peter chapter 1 is Peter, who's about to die, he says, I'm about to put off this tabernacle. I'm about to, when I leave, there's some things you need to have in remembrance. So now that apostolic authority was shifted to the scripture, to the written word of God. When the word of God was complete, there's like a period at the end of it, not a colon. We don't have apostles like that anymore who give us the word of God like Peter or Paul could have. Makes sense? You guys know this, right? But what the church now possesses is the authoritative written word of God. Okay? No one else has that except for the church that God that God left here to do the ministry of reconciliation. So the church also prays to the Father in Jesus' name. Okay, so possesses is that blank, number four. And then the church prays to the Father in Jesus' name. And we read about that in John chapter 16. Jesus says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. And that day you shall ask in my name. I say not unto you that I will pray to the Father for you, Jesus says. But the Father himself loveth you because you have loved me and believe that I came out of God. So what Jesus is saying is there's a time coming which you are going to pray directly to the Father in my name. So I don't pray to Jesus and ask Jesus to pray to God, and then God will answer Jesus. No, I pray directly to God, my Father, through the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is saying. No one else can pray in Jesus' name except for those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. I mean, you can say the words, but it's the church that is, is, has the power of prayer in Jesus' name. The church is also empowered by the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Y'all that are saved are all gifted to take a part in the ministry that he's given us. So in our different ways, in our different strengths, in our different weaknesses, we can all function together. And that is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It takes a, a discipleship philosophy of ministry though. If, I have, if I'm a bottleneck and nothing can ever get done except I rubber stamp it and I, we're not gonna get anything done ever. No, you, you, you minister as God gifted you. It will be life. It will be joy as you use the spiritual gift that God gave you. Scott, uh, so Scott's in Nairobi. And <clears throat> we had lunch the day we left with this couple. And then we, we leave. And, and then this, this lady, Wangari, she calls Scott. Okay. You, the way it works is like the, the phone is like a baton. 
So the Ken, pretend this is the Kenya phone, and it's got all the contact information in it. It's got all the different communications we've had, and just hand off the baton. It's like, hey, have a good month. The, I just handed off the baton. So, you know, the Kenya phone rings. Wangari asks Scott, hey, do you want to come with me to go teach the Bible to this school? Scott's like, of course I do. Now, of course I do. Like, just like you would say. So maybe with a little trepidation. It's like, do you want to come to a school in a foreign country and talk to kids from a different culture? And Scott's like, yes. Like, in other words, of course I do. But like, how's that? Gonna, what's that going to look like? I, I don't have any idea. It's a foreign mission field. So anyway, Scott just does that. He just goes, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit gave him. I don't know what he what he taught, but I know he shared the gospel. And I know that 14 kids, 17 kids, 17 kids made professions of faith. Isn't that crazy? Are you still on there, Scott? I don't know if Scott's still on there. Yeah, Scott's still on there. How he was walking through the halls and he heard, Pastor Scott, Pastor Scott. And he's like, What? And he looks down and it's um, what was Josh's little sister's name? Blessing. It was Blessing. Who goes to school there? And he's like, How does someone know my name? Like, like it's a metro area of seven million people. He goes to this school and someone he met at church whose family came over to dinner afterwards was a student there who was like, Pastor Scott. Oh, there he is, Scott, there we go. Yeah, so praise the Lord. God used Scott mightily, 17 professions of faith. And Scott simply went and just did what he's been trained to do all these years here. Praise the Lord, that's awesome, yeah. Um, okay, then the last thing that I that I taught is the, the church has a pastor. Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The structure of the local church. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, and so on. You guys know. So they don't have a pastor yet. They're praying for a pastor. So can we pray with them? Because here's, you guys, I, I just, here's what would kill me. Is if this small flock of new believers or established, like, like this, it's a new group. If some wolf in sheep's clothing comes in and takes over the leadership of that group, like what's to, Scott's leaving. Scott's not going to be there soon. We're not going to have anybody there. What's to prevent some pastor, and I'll just make it negative, to, to present, prevent some bad ruler, pastor, who just wants to control everything, but has the right jargon and the right personality, the right charisma to come in and just, you guys, we, we need to pray for a pastor who just like Ephesians 4 is a gift of God unto that group. 
can let, we need to be praying for that group. Without a pastor, the people are going to perish. Without a pastor, they're unprotected. Not okay. <laughs> right? Amen? Okay. So, okay, in terms of application, we need to appreciate, protect, and help reproduce this endangered species, which is the New Testament biblical local church. This is why Midtown is reproducing. It's why we have a Bible Institute to fulfill the Great Commission. It's why we planted a church in Tampa. It's why we planted a church in Lee Summit. It's why we're planning a church in Boston. It's why we're planning a church in Saigon and by the grace of God, planning a church in Nairobi. Why? Because we need to reproduce this endangered species. There's a great falling away before the return of Christ. This is a time of apostasy. It's a time of Laodicea where the church says I'm rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, but really they don't know that their spiritual state is poor, blind, wretched, weak, and naked. And Okay. So we need to be a biblical New Testament local church. So we need to be a part of fulfilling the mission as God gifted us, right? We need to appreciate what we have. And here's something that's been on my heart is <clears throat> you are gifted by God. You do need to take your next step of faith. If you're not saved, you need to be born again. That is the will of God for your life. There are people at your table who can teach you how to do that. If you're saved, but you're not baptized, you need to get baptized. If this is the church that God has you in, you should get baptized here. If there's questions about it, the easiest thing is just get baptized. It just clears up everything, okay? If you're not in discipleship, then you need to be part of discipleship. Like, in other words, we just need to, in faith, take that next step, not because it's a religious duty, because that's the will of God. Now, check this out, though. Listen to me carefully. If you don't do that, I love you. You bring joy and peace into my life. You have value in this place that goes beyond that goes beyond your level of involvement, that goes beyond your spiritual gifting, that goes beyond to what extent God is or isn't using you. Listen, uh, those of you who are parents, you want your kids to do well. You want them to show up for dinner on time. You want them to help with the dishes. Like we've invested a lot in those creatures. They ought to be a part, like out of appreciation. Like, I bought all that food. They could at least help do the dishes. Amen? And all the parents are like, yeah. But if they don't, if they don't, I'm just going to, like, I couldn't love them anymore. And all the parents are like, amen. Like, I may want to kill them, but I... I I, I would die for them. Like, I don't have to think about it. Why? Because their performance? No, because, because I love them, because they have value. And listen, God is a father. I love Deanna's. I love Deanna's hand motions. Like, we pray. It's a commandment from Philippians. Okay, I love that commandment. 
but don't don't that's not god isn't doing this to you god is doing this to you and he wants you to be in relationship with him and yes he wants you to take that next step in faith but listen if you don't you guys he loves you so much and we as a fellowship man i love you we're always like like at midtown the the altar call is like just get signed up for discipleship like like the altar why because our standing with god is already taken care of the altar call isn't try harder do better it's like hey come follow me as i follow christ come be a part of the fellowship functionally but listen don't don't get confused that your value is not based on your performance you guys know you guys feeling me yeah yeah i love you guys let's do this we can we have 10 minutes that we can break up into our small groups if nothing else let's just pray for the work in nairobi and pray for scott let's pray for pray for wagi's ministry okay um there was this this great momentum going and now now it's like where is everybody <laughs> okay so wagis has missionary work pastor training he does in egypt and south sudan now lois is with the grandkids in iraq okay she's still there she's still in northern iraq okay um but let's just if 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 you need to discuss what we talked about here in your small groups let's do that Pray for each other, though, and let's pray for our work in Africa, in Egypt, South Sudan, and in Nairobi. And let's pray for the Arabic-speaking fellowship and uh, with Wagi's ministry here. Okay, sound good? And then what we'll do is we'll just close out at, at 10 after, okay? So we won't regroup unless there's something everybody needs to hear, and you can come just tap me on the shoulder if that's the case. Otherwise, just we'll just close out in our small groups. Yeah. Hamdi, uh, we need to pray for her. She has some medical issues that are ongoing and, and the doctors just haven't quite figured, like they can treat it, but, but they haven't come to a conclusion on what is, like, they, do they know they have the source of the problem figured out? So pray for Hamdi, for her health and then for wisdom. For, well, let's just pray for healing, first of all. Okay, God can just heal her, right? We see that in scripture where he does that. Yeah, so she's got a severe iron deficiency anemia that, that she's had to get blood transfusions for and stuff like that. So that would not be cool if you had to do that. But if you were a, is she 17? How old is she? If you're a 19-year-old girl, you gotta go do that and just like let's just pray for her for that healing and for wisdom and for a cure not just treatment right so okay thank you yes we'll pray hamdi hamdi yeah this is h-a-m-d-i okay all right let's let's go to our small group time then